Thanks for tuning in to the Lean 911 podcast where you'll have a voice directly from the Gemba. I will rely on my three decades of lean successes as well as my failures to answer your most challenging questions regarding your lean transformation. I'm your host, Mark Deluzio, President and CEO of Lean Horizons Consulting and the Principal Architect of the Danaher Business System. Looking forward to your questions now. Let's go to the Gemba. Hi, my name is Mark Deluzio. Welcome to Episode 9 of the Lean 911 Podcast. Like the Rubik's Cube episode that I did previously, I want to kind of take you outside the realm of uh, business, if you will, in a way. Uh, maybe outside the realm of manufacturing and actually talk to you about McDonald's. I think everybody on this podcast understands what McDonald's is. It's everywhere. I was just in India a couple of weeks and believe it or not, I ate at McDonald's, uh, which was kind of neat. No hamburgers, but we had a lot of chicken uh, entrees. And I want to use an outside reference to kind of get across a couple of points about how to think about that from a lean perspective. So when I was a child, my father used to take us in the back of his, uh, his mercury turquoise wood paneled mercury station wagon. We used to pile in the back of his car with all my friends and every couple, three times a year, we'd go to McDonald's and there was only one in our local area where I grew up in Connecticut. And, uh, it, it was an absolute treat. I thought I died and went to heaven when I had two McDonald's hamburgers, uh, French fries, and their uh, chocolate or vanilla shake, right? It was like the treat of a lifetime. And, of course, we all grew up at McDonald's and uh, as they, you know, populated across the, 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 the states and also around the globe, it became a very big household name, very successful uh, franchise. So I don't want to disparage McDonald's here because I, I am critical of how they changed their business model. And I'll talk about that in a minute from a lean perspective. And I see a lot of this happening with a lot of companies as well. So what I want to talk about is just the customer experience about ordering a hamburger. So how do you order a hamburger? Well, in the old days, if you're as old as I am, you used to be able to walk up to the counter. You used to tell the clerk, you know, geez, I want two hamburgers, a fry and a, and a Coke or, a, you know, whatever, a milkshake. She'd take your money, turn around, grab a bag, put the stuff in, and you were gone. There was no waiting, right? Now, what happens today? You go up to the counter. You order. Now, they have these kiosks, by the way, which I do like. Okay, because you can get the order right, especially when you got like three grandkids and the rest of your family and you're trying to order for everybody. Right. So you don't have to remember what the heck is going on. But anyway, you order and then they give you a ticket and you have to wait. Why is that? Well, in the old days, it used to be a make to order. I mean, I'm sorry, a make to stock type of environment where they had the inventory on hand. They had the inventory sitting there waiting for you. And all she had to do is turn around, grab it, put it in a bag and you were gone. Now everything's make to order. They went from a completely make to stock environment to make to order. Now, one might argue, well, geez, you know, Mark, uh, the products are more complex now. And they are. There's, I went on their website. There are 11 different types of hamburgers that you can order at McDonald's. So much for Ray Kroc's simplicity that he wanted in terms of his business model. Ray Kroc, of course, was the founder of McDonald's. And uh, I think he'd roll over in his grave right now if we saw the product profile. But anyway... So 
it's very difficult to stock all of that. And I got to believe that somebody along the lines from uh, McDonald's came along and said, geez, we're throwing out all this food because it has a shelf life every couple of hours. You got to get rid of it. I remember again, as a, as a high school student, we had two, two of our friends manage one of our local McDonald's. We used to go there at like midnight and we knew they were going to throw out a bunch of stuff and we'd go there and they'd give it to us and we'd eat for free and we had all this great food. And that's, you know, I don't see that happening today anymore. I mean, that was back in the, uh, in the seventies and that was American graffiti. Right. And times have definitely changed in a lot of different respects, but Again, we knew that they were going to throw this food out and that we were going to be able to uh, to, uh, to to feast on it that, at, at midnight when uh, you know when McDonald's closed. So so somebody along the line came along and said, hey, we're, we're spending a lot of money on this food. We need to throw we need to stop that and and stop all this waste. Well, there are a couple of problems with that. Yeah, you can argue that because of the product proliferation, it became extremely difficult to be a strict make to stock environment. Okay, fine. However, did it have to go to a 100% make-to-order environment? That's the real question. Even with the product profile that, that exists today, with all the different complexities. So I say no. I say no, they didn't have to do that. Now, I do, uh, my suspicion was confirmed as I talked a couple, uh, a couple of lean people at McDonald's uh, over the last couple of years. And they did confirm that there's a big cost focus at McDonald's to try to drive down cost. And uh, as a matter of fact, the lean office at that time, I don't know about today, but reported into the treasurer. And I, I, I've never ever heard a lean office reporting into a treasurer, but anyway, it did. So big cost focus. And if you think about the mantra of safety, quality, delivery, and cost, uh, if you do safety, quality, and delivery right, you get cost. And it's usually a byproduct, but this seemed to be more of a cost, 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 cost model where the lead time now was pushed back to the consumer, waiting off to the side with a little ticket, waiting for your number to be called. Okay. That's a delivery issue. In some sense, it's a quality issue. So, so if you look at that, you say to yourself, well, geez, I'm waiting now because they want to save cost and they become more complex. So the question now is, is, is it still fast food, right? Can you really say it's fast food anymore? Even at the drive-thru, many times you get to you get pushed aside saying, go wait in that little parking area. They reserve areas for people to park because they can't fill your order fast enough. They already know that. They're already planning for the waiting time for their customer by creating these parking spaces, right? And by the way, it's not just McDonald's. I don't mean to be picking on McDonald's. I'm just using that because it's the most common uh, common thing that we uh we know. So, so that was then, and this is now. And, and, you know, when you look at um, uh, how they, they changed, I see this a lot in companies where they go from one end of the spectrum to the other, right? A new CEO comes in, that's a centralized organization. We're going to decentralize. Why? Because the CEO kind of has to put their mark on things, right? Or vice versa. We decentralize, we're going to centralize, right? Uh, in this case, we're going to go from make the stock, completely make the order. And I think what was wrong there was the fact that they, uh, they, they, they needed a hybrid approach in terms of how they treated their customers and their, their customer orders. I'll talk about that in a minute. So safety, quality, delivery costs, the question you got to ask yourself is, are you compromising delivery? perhaps quality, 
for a cost objective. All right. Um, let's talk about cell design basics. When If you look back in McDonald's and you look back in the kitchen, very tight, not a lot of room. And you know that when you have a certain cycle time for a product, let's say making a hamburger, and you've got a certain tack time, it's going to determine, you divide that out, it's going to determine fundamentally that that uh, how many people you're going to need back there. Well, it's really hard to flex up and down in that small space. And it's not laid out appropriately for that. So that's one problem. The whole cell design is perhaps an issue that we got to look at. But even above and beyond that, you look at the whole sheet music of standard work. Now, you know, a lot of times... I get pushback from potential clients that this says, they say, well, you know, we can't do standard work because we're cyclical. Well, tell me what business isn't cyclical. Every single business has some level of cyclicality. Now McDonald's, I can argue is cyclical during the day. 12 o'clock noon is a lot different than three 30 in the afternoon. So they have cyclicality during the day, which would suggest that your tech time needs to be calibrated to that specific period of time of demand. So maybe from, I don't know, 11 o'clock to, to 1.30, 2 o'clock, you have to calibrate your tack time there and man appropriately to avoid waiting time and, and, and make your deliveries and all that. And uh, maybe at, at 2 o'clock, 2.30, maybe it, you know you, 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 you change your shifting, your, your, your manpower and all that. And the real question you have to ask yourself is, okay, so there's wait time, right? How many people don't go to a fast food environment because it's not fast anymore? And they see the big lines and they don't want to wait. They don't have time to wait. They have a half an hour for lunch. So how does focusing on cost and also complexity drive lack of revenue? That's a big cost of poor quality that a lot of people don't think about when they have long lead times. And it's something that gets missed all the time when CFOs do their math to figure out we should move this product to China and then have another four weeks of shipping on the water that elongates your lead time and you lose market share because your lead times are, are short all to save that one, you know, dollar of, of labor, which by the way, many companies, you know, your labor costs are 10, 12, 13% of total. So why the heck are you going to China? Why are you actually going to China and elongating your lead times? If you're saying you're doing lean, it makes no sense to me at all. Anyway, subject for another day. So standard work, if you look at it, is is it was really key. And and so how do you think about standard work from the respect of tech time? Tech time again is just, and I have a whole session on tech time, but uh, and another podcast. Tech time is the rate that you need to produce to meet your customer demand. It's as simple as that. So I've got a, a simple example here. Let's just say between eleven and two p.m. It's 180 minutes. Let's say that's your busy period at McDonald's. And let's just argue that you have to make 450 sandwiches. Now, let's not get hung up on which kind of sandwiches at this point. But and there's ways to handle that, which is above and beyond what this podcast is about. And so if I take my 450 sandwiches divided into 180 minutes, I come out with the fact that I've got to make a sandwich every 24 seconds. And if it takes me 120 seconds to make a sandwich, I divide that by 24 that means I need five people. I need five people in a flow type environment to make the demand for that period of time from uh, 11 o'clock to two o'clock, right? Now I know it's not all that clean. I know there's a lot of product mixed things in there and all this variability, which I'm going to get to in a minute because 
one of the problems I think they've done is they didn't segment their their demand to look at what could be standard and what could be kept in stock. Believe it or not, I've asked clients to put stock in place, inventory in place, that not only would reduce their lead time to the customer, but reduce their total inventory investment overall. To just move that inventory to different parts of completion, if you will, that will end up reducing lead time to the customer. And when that happens, you almost always create additional market share in, in because you're the better guy. You're the better guy. I've canceled many orders because of long lead times. All right. The chair I'm sitting in right now, I got in three days. The company I ordered it from was going to take three months. Guess what? I canceled that three-month order, and I ordered this chair here, and I got it. And I'm happy with it, by the way. Okay? So so this is the kind of thing that you have to think about. What does the impact of lead time have on growth? And how many people are not standing in the McDonald's line anymore because they don't have the time? And we're in an Amazon type of world where time is valuable and everybody is 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 conditioned to get instant gratification. Order it at eight o'clock in the morning, it's there at noon, right on your doorstep from Amazon, right? Crazy. Domino's Pizza. That was a whole business model. They didn't sell pizza, they sold time and convenience. All right. So when you look at McDonald's. What are the things they could do from a make-to-order versus a make-to-stock? Now, let me take you away from McDonald's for a minute and talk about a real-life example that I've I've been involved in, and that was a client that made wheelchairs. So anybody who's been to an airport or to a hospital has seen the standard classic wheelchair, right? They're usually blue, and sometimes they're green. They're just basic wheelchairs. They have wheels, they have handles, they have a seat, and that's it, right? So those basic standard wheelchairs is one type of wheelchair. So let's just call those airport wheelchairs, okay? That's the that's the family, the product family. We'll call it that, airport wheelchairs, even though they use them in hospitals. The other type of wheelchair is a very specific type of wheelchair that you would actually need a, a uh, physical therapist uh, prescription for that wheelchair. So in other words, if, if you and I, God forbid, would need a wheelchair in that regard, there are thousands of options that we could pick. I might be bigger than somebody. Somebody else might have longer legs, wider, whatever, my arm length and all that. Very unique. And then of all the options that I could pick, I want blue, I want red, I want this type of wheel, I want this kind of cushion, I want, you know, a million options. I want to motorize, I don't want to motorize. And oh yeah, by the way, if I want to motorize, it's five, five motors that I could pick from. So any one special order wheelchair is so unique, you can't make them to stock. There's absolutely no way to do that. So I call this the Superman wheelchair because this particular company actually made the wheelchair for Christopher Reeves, who was Superman in the movies. If you recall, he fell off a horse and got paraly was paralyzed for life. He died in his 50s from uh, complications, I think from medication related to the fall. So he died young. But as a matter of fact, we actually met him once at a hockey tournament up in New York. Uh, my son was playing uh, hockey, and we got to, to see him there in his wheelchair. But anyway, this company made the Christopher Reed Superman wheelchair. So we called that value stream or that product family the Superman wheelchair, okay? So we have the airport wheelchair, and we have the Superman wheelchair, all right? What I recommended is that this company split their value stream up into two because they had 
they were making both types of wheelchairs in the same product line. So I said, look, we're going to have a value stream for uh, the airport wheelchairs. And we have a value stream for the special order, truly special order, Superman wheelchairs. And let me, let me take a minute now and just talk about what this whole special order thing is. I don't know how many companies I've met that say, oh, yeah, we only make to order. Well, yeah, okay, you make uh, you make ballpoint pens. And I know you get an order for them, but they're the same darn pen, all right? So it's not a special order. It's a pen. You might make blue ones, black ones, red ones, green ones, okay? I got that. But they're not special order. They're not configured to order. Yeah, you're filling an order, but it's not a special order. It's a stock order. So, you know, the, the airport wheelchair would be a stock order. They only had a few SKUs on those. There, there weren't a lot of products to choose from on that one. The Superman wheelchair, that truly is a make-to-order. So how did we treat that? We said, okay, well, it, uh, we created a finished goods of airport wheelchairs, okay? And every time we pull from that, it sent a signal to the assembly cell, and we did hydrenco-level scheduling and all that good stuff. And we actually pulled from assembly all the way from fabrication through paint, all the way through sub-assemblies, all the way into the final assembly process into packing and then back into, into the warehouse. That was easy to do because they were the same units. They were the stock keeping units of the airport wheelchair. So there's no special customization on those. Uh, they were all blue <laughs> for whatever reason. And, uh, and so that was it. Okay. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. But when it, when it came to the Superman wheelchair, whole different story. We can't pull from final assembly. You want to know why? We don't know what the wheelchair is going to look like yet. Because, because so, so the order actually had to go all the way back to the beginning of the process, that fabrication, where they actually welded and fabricated the tubes that were specially unique to the person for that wheelchair. So in other words, Christopher Reeve might needed an 18-inch bar under his seat, and he might have needed a 22 and one-eighth bar for his legs or whatever it is. And those special, unique characteristics were unique to christopher reeve only okay so once that wheelchair got fabricated we use fifo lanes and that's a whole nother subject for another day as another thing that gets misused in, in lean is fifo lanes versus kanban but we use fifo lanes to drive into paint and then from paint all the way through and and and, and it went that way right so so totally different production process totally different inventory management process in the same building for a wheelchair, except for you had two fundamental families of wheelchairs. So, so what does this all mean for? Oh, by the way, when I get through assembly, that wheelchair got shipped to Christopher Reeves, okay, or whoever that wheelchair was for. Didn't go to stock because it was unique. So, what does that mean for McDonald's? Well, you think about McDonald's. There are certain parts of their product line that can be made to stock. For example, hamburgers. Okay. Um, some other aspects, maybe filet of fish. I don't know what the demand would be on those. If they're really low, might not be worth doing it, but my guess it would be, right? So with 11 types of hamburgers, you got to know that the hamburger patty itself could be a make-to-stock item in the semi-finished you know, goods area or sub-assembly area, if you will. Now, there could be some very special things going on because somebody doesn't want pickles, somebody else only wants uh, one thing of cheese or you know whatever it is, somebody doesn't want onions, so that's a make-to-order type of thing, but you can actually manage those two parts of the kitchen as separate factories. 
okay, in a pull system coming from the make the stock into the customization part of the factory, where not every single thing is treated as a special order. If every single hamburger that gets, uh, let's say 80% of your hamburgers are just your standard hamburger that never changes, well, why am I making that as a special order? Why am I treating that as a special order? And look, I know you've got to understand spoilage and making sure things are fresh and, and all that stuff. But my whole point is that you can't go from one end of the spectrum to another. This is why the customers now, even if you order two hamburgers and a French fry and a milkshake, just like I did when I was a kid, I have to wait for it now because they treat it as a special order. So you see, looking, and, and I've come across a lot of companies like the wheelchair company that really has two two different animals there. They have two different types of products, even though they may look the same, they both wheelchairs, but two different types of products that that really need to be treated differently from an inventory management perspective and from a production scheduling and a production management perspective, okay? So, so this is kind of what we're talking about here, right? This is why I think fast food at McDonald's is no longer really, you know, all that fast, which I think is a, is a problem for them. So, so we need to look at both make the stock, make the order. Hopefully, it can reduce complexity. You know, you got to really ask the marketing people at McDonald's why do you have eleven types of hamburgers? Uh, I think again, Ray Kroc would probably have a, a a little bit of a problem with that. And the, and and I I guess the final the final note here before we close. I firmly believe that if a company has a strategy of profit maximization only through a maniacal, singular focus of reducing cost, they will get neither profits or reduced cost. They will decline their business, they will impede growth, and they will end up continuing to try to cut their way to prosperity, and you cannot cut your way to prosperity. Sorry, all you accountants out there that might think you can. You can't. Okay, you've got to grow your business in a profitable, uh, profitable way. All right. So, walking away from the safety, quality, delivery, costs hierarchy to a strictly cost, 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 cost. And by the way, nobody would admit that they're doing that. But when you look at the behaviors, they are. I've seen it so, so, so many times. Okay. And they pay lift service to the rest of the equation. So I want you to think about that. And again, I'm what I'm trying to do is just to take, take McDonald's and look at it not through the childhood lens that I had as a kid in the back of my father's uh, wood panel turquoise uh, Mercury station wagon, okay, with no seatbelts, by the way, uh, and, and, and look at it from a lean perspective. That's how I look at things now. By the way, I still love McDonald's. I know sometimes it's not healthy for you, but I still brings me back to the back of my father's car, his station wagon. Every time I bite into one of those hamburgers, I think about that. And uh, it's iconic. It's an American invention. And uh, uh, it's still special to me. McDonald's is still very special to me. But, you know, I, I, I think they, they kind of took the wrong turn here in this regard, in terms of handle, how they handled their whole production and product uh, strategy. So sometimes simpler is better, right? So I want to leave you with a quote that Ray Kroc had, who's the founder of McDonald's. 
And by the way, he bought McDonald's from some from someone I can't remember who and created this whole this whole this whole uh, um, uh, industry of, of fast food, right? He said, in a direct quote from if you work just for money, you'll never make it. But if you love what you're doing and you always put the customer first, success will be yours. I'll leave you with that. My name is Mark Deluzio, President and CEO of Lean Horizons Consulting, Principal Architect of the Danaher Business System. I hope this was fun for you to you know get out of the business world and put your head into something that we all know, which is uh, an American iconic company. They're a great company. I wish them the best. And uh, go have a hamburger on me. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Lean 911 Podcast. I'll be happy to address your questions or feedback on future episodes. Email me at mark at lean911.com. You can check out our other episodes by visiting our website at lean911.com, our YouTube channel, wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your host, Mark Deluzio. Thanks for listening.